HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Spring is sprung here in New York City, and I'm really glad to have my friend Tris Willie in the studio today. Thanks, Damon. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. And also, what's really cool is, uh, if you guys are out there today, we're having a, a Heritage party tonight at the Heritage uh, Foods USA office building, whatever you want to call it, compound. Um, <laughs> and you're going to be making some drinks there tonight. Yeah, me and Dave Arnold are going to be back there making a mess as usual. Yeah, what are you going to be making? Uh, Besides we, the mess. Uh, it's one of the new things we're working on at the bar, which is uh, we're kind of taking an old school method of uh, a milk punch and applying it in a, a little bit of a different fashion. So we've infused some vodka with some tea, uh, and then we are pulling all the tannic uh, properties out of that with some milk after we wash it and spin it through the centrifuge. Uh, and then we're just making a nice like Arnold Palmer, a little honey, a little lemon, and, and the tea vodka. Cool. Yeah. Milk punches have been coming up a lot lately, like this year. It's it's kind of crazy. Like all of a sudden, everyone's got their their like version of it, and um, I, it's one of those weird things that like I don't know. Like it's it's weird to see how like things trend in the cocktail world, um, and that's one that I wasn't like necessarily projecting. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> for 2013. You would predict would come out of the woodworks again. We stumbled on ours like on complete accident again. I you know. We were doing this thing where we're like, how do we get this bitterness out of the tea? Well, we can use milk to do that. And then all of a sudden, we went, oh, you know what we're doing? We're just making a milk punch. <laughs> <laughs> it's something they've been doing for ages. Uh, but fortunately, we have a centrifuge to kind of expedite the That's the awesome. And like, uh, so that's that's one thing that really sets apart your bar from the others. Um, it's it's like walking into a, a like a mad science lab, <laughs> but with booze. Um, you guys have you incorporate centrifuges, uh, rotavaps, uh, mm-hmm. red hot pokers, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Like it, to me, it's it's kind of 
very indulgent for like what I like to do, like or like what I want to do, you know. But I don't necessarily have all that uh, very pricey equipment around, um, and that definitely like changes uh, the game for a lot of other people too. I know that you know there's. Um, Tony at 69 Colbrook Row. He's like mm-hmm. one of the guys who's like doing a lot of that. Those guys in, in uh, England in general, like Nick Strangeway, those guys are crazy. London. London is really bringing it on that front. They've yeah. got a lot of focus on the, the old road of apps and the centrifuge kind of culture right now. Like the whole uh, molecular gastronomy thrown in, you know, behind the bar. And like, okay, so how. Were you doing. Were you working anyway with any of this stuff before? No, this is all brand new to me. You know, this is what. It's a whole new kind of world coming into Booker and Dax dealing with this stuff. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be distilling before this, which was great, um, and kind of gave me a little bit of heads up on how to craft spirits and deal with it on that kind of level. But I was bartending at Amore. Mm-hmm. So Amore and Margo, where we don't have anything, we don't have tools, we don't have juices, we don't have anything like that. It was the most basic kind of bartending, pouring alcohol in a glass and serving it out. Uh, this was quite the change. There was a huge learning curve. Yeah. So. There must have... Well, some of those processes, though, I mean, were probably... There's probably somewhat of a segue with, like, working with, like, Mayor Subaru. Yeah. I mean, the ideas are there. And, you know, once you start using these these tools, like the centrifuge and, and even the Rotovap, the idea of them is very basic. Um, the equipment is extremely complicated and, and can cause a lot of advanced issues but the like way we view it <laughs> the way we view it is is as simple as can be and you know we're not we're not pulling a lot of things out of there that are that exotic or foreign or that kind of thing they just have to be a better way or a cleaner way to get to it the end result so it's not a huge departure from classic cocktail flavors or anything over the top and if you've seen our drinks at the bar they're they're pretty minimal looking we're not doing anything insane with the presentation or, or anything like that. So it's it's a often a, a complicated process for a very simple but hopefully um, prettier uh, ingredient. Yeah. So it, it's easy to wrap your mind around it as long as you're considering the whole process or the, the outcome more of a, a simple thing. Yeah. It's like you guys have the one of the things I like the most is the uh, I just I like hot drinks. I mean I don't drink them all the time, but I like the idea of hot drinks. But like you know when you think about Beer cocktails, you know, the first thing you think about is maybe like a michelada, but there's a whole world out there of like just knowing how to use it, you know, like use different beers and different ingredients. And totally. same thing with, I, I mean, I guess you could say even like savory cocktails, you would think about like the Bloody Mary first and then wondering where you can go from that. And like the, it seems like such a small kind of area to play around with, but with hot drinks, there's so many cool things you could do besides the first one you think of being the hot toddy or like an Irish whiskey. Right. Um, for instance, like, you know, using these red hot pokers, which actually is really, really primitive in, like, the early days of cocktail making. Like, especially punches and things like that. Oh, yeah. It, it's a huge throwback, uh, which I, I get a real kick out of, you know, because it's this new fangled wired heater that, uh, honestly, we plug into the wall and have had many issues with. <laughs> uh, emulating the simplest, absolute, most basic you know, principle from back in the day, you know, a hot stick in a fireplace. Yeah. I I get a kick out of that, but it allows us to do some really cool things. It's really cool too. And like, you know, especially like the presentation of doing that and, you know, taking this uh, mixing glass 
or specifically, well, something made of metal. <laughs> but you don't really want to do that in a glass, I guess. Believe it or not, we use pint glasses. You do? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's What's, frightening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's scary. But you you put the red hot poker in there, and it like lights a lot of alcohol on fire, and it's just really cool. Like you know, everyone likes to see like fire behind a bar. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. It's oh, I mean, the coolest thing. Ever. It's funny when you're standing behind the bar and you're using the red hot poker because as soon as you use it, as soon every head of bar swivels yeah. straight towards you and is looking. You know, it, it just draws attention. It's spouting flames. I mean, it's inevitable. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's fun. And, and it's nice to have an end result that's actually giving you something different. Yeah, caramelizing the sugars in the right. different alcohols. And yeah, stuff. it expresses herbal content in like huge ways, and it, it just binds ingredients together really well. And also, we don't have to dilute a hot cocktail with like hot water or steam or anything like that, so we can yeah. take a, a real control of it. So that's something also, I'm glad you mentioned that, that um, a lot of your cocktails seem like they don't really require any kind of dilution. Right. Or, that's can you talk to us about that? Like, what's the what are the benefits, pros and cons, maybe, or specifically pros? I guess. Yeah, because <laughs> you know? yeah, we're Hopefully doing there's it. No yeah, cons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, there's a huge con to this, um, and that's that people don't see the actual making of the cocktail, and it throws a lot of people off. Um, we all of our cocktails are diluted, you know, because you need dilution. It's a major part of building a cocktail. Without the water in there, you lose flavors, and things are too strong, and and it gives it an actual volume for you mm-hmm. to sip on. Um, and all of our cocktails include that, which we add into the process ahead of time. You know, when we carbonate, we have to add a substantial amount of dilution. When we use the red hot poker, it's built into the drink and we add the water as an ingredient. Uh, the pros to that are consistency. I know exactly how diluted a drink's going to be. I can serve it at the exact same temperature every time. I can get the same results every time. Uh, which is a huge benefit. Like as in our bottle of Manhattan, we get to nail down the exact specs that we like, the precise build of that so that it comes out exactly the same every time. And I'm able to look at someone and be like, this is our Manhattan. This is how we love it. Yeah. Uh, I hope you do too. And they can get the same drink every time. From a different bartender as well. Yeah, exactly. So so I just got to gotta say something here. So Giuseppe Gonzalez was on the show last week. <laughs> um, you're... <laughs> never going to beat him in the uh, the record of like most curse words on this show. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the conversations we kind of got into, one of the many ones, um, actually, uh, we kind of talked about basically like the, the human element of making cocktails and how like, you know, it is nice to have something pre-batched. Um, but then also it's kind of nice to like taste this person's, you know, like obviously if they're going by different specs, that's one thing, but going by the same spec, you know, depending on how someone shakes, how someone stirs and like, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to like not have everything completely consistent all the time. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, when we're training at the bar, we have each bartender step up and make their old fashioned. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I love. I've never written a spec for it. I've never... You know, that kind of thing. Each bartender has their own style, and it kind of represents them. Uh, yeah. The way they make it is interestingly different to watch. Uh, and that's part of the fun of sitting in a bar. I mean, you want you want to see that variation. Like, it's, it's what I look for at the bar. I want to go plop down at the bar and see how somebody does it. And honestly, things come out different, but that's not better or worse. Sure. Uh, and I totally encourage that, unless we're going for something that's, sensitive or that i want to represent to somebody on you know repeatedly 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a time and place for it to me. I love when somebody sits at the bar and goes, I'm going to have an old-fashioned, and that bartender gets to light up and do their thing. I also love that our Manhattan is consistent, and you know what you're going to get every time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's nice, too. Um, you know, obviously, I kind of feel like as a like as a whole, like as far as like the uh, the bartending, uh, bartending community goes, you know, if... if if everyone had the same spec and everyone stirred and shook exactly the same way, we would all just, we might as well just be going to one bar, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's nice to have like these differences. And especially, like you said, with very sensitive, like volatile ingredients, you know, especially like something that gets me like, I don't know, this is coming from like my design background before I started bartending. Like I, I, I can't do it anymore, but I used to be able to like look at a color like and pre- get pretty close in the Pantone matching system. Mm-hmm. Like just like call out like oh that's Pantone one thirty eight right nice, you yeah. know. Um, so and I, that's one of the senses that's involved. I feel like cocktails like you've got you use all of your senses really, and so to especially things like using the centrifuge and like clarifying juices, which you guys do a lot. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because then even psychosmatic like mentally it changes the way it tastes to you, right? Oh yeah, because you're not prepared for what may be in the glass because you can't see it, you can't identify it ahead of time, and all of a sudden you sip on something, you go, I was not expecting that. It yeah. kind of throws you know a lot of the people who are coming in uh, are looking for exactly what you said, uh, a typical experience, you know, where they can identify or kind of predict what's going to be in something. Uh, throws them right under the bus yeah which i kind of enjoy you know you kind of see it happen it's that surprise that kind of difference that yeah keeps you guessing totally and like i guess it's a little bit different when you like clarify say like lime juice and uh i mean texturally isn't there a difference from the clarified to oh yeah but then when you have something like a whiskey that you clarify right the body's still pretty much the same right yeah i mean we're not losing any alcoholic content in whiskey so when you do that it, it stays fairly fairly similar but when you're doing lime juice you pull out so much just matter just right. just material that you miss in there like i would never make a daiquiri with clarified lime juice it would be thin uh just unimpressive uh and it would remove all that wonderful fluffy aeration right. that you get from just normal lime juice and, and shaking rather than stirring too. right right so there's a, there's a time and a place for it um but it it is certainly different yeah cool um well let's take a quick break when we get back we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of these awesome uh techniques and uh yeah i i really i wish i had a rotovap in my house or in my <laughs> bar so i could just i could reverse distill things and do all kinds of crazy stuff like you guys get to do. Super jealous. Anyway, we'll be back in just a moment. Speaking with Tristan. This one is called Coma by Paper Twin. This is the Knife Show Remix on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit www.surreyfarms.com. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. In the studio today, we have my buddy Tristan Willie. Um, we've been talking about some of the techniques that they use at Booker and Dax here in New York City, um, which is like a bar lab, basically. It's uh, you've got all these crazy like the like basically like medical like lab equipment. Oh yeah, bar lab slash bun station slash milk yeah. bar slash <laughs> restaurant. It's it's a it's a it's a space. It's interesting space. It's With very a unique. unique identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, like before the show, we were talking about like, uh, or you know, we've also been talking like on the previous few shows about like customer service and and how that translates uh with different bars and different bartenders and their, their programs and do you guys uh oops uh do you guys find it difficult sometimes or does it like how do you deal with an environment that's so like kind of like clinical and like lab like how do you how do you bring that in how do people respond to like the like what's the connection with that and like a like a kind of traditional bar setting? I yeah. guess uh, it's you know it's been a real struggle for us uh, right out the get go. Uh, my goal after seeing these new techniques and seeing what they brought to the table uh, and what we were trying to produce was to hide it all because um, when you step into that room, which we assumed a room in the back of Sambar that had previously been a milk bar mm-hmm. and then a private dining room. And they still produce the buns for the uh, for the restaurant there, uh, so you kind of walk into this mix of weird, you know, communal tables. But also, there's a guy cooking in the corner and prepping pickled vegetables, and there's a bartender wielding a flaming sword. You know, it's like <laughs> there's there's a lot going on. And uh, me and Dave set out right out the gates to make sure that it was the end product that had the had the focus on it, that they were simple but well produced cocktails. Yeah. Um, so the first few weeks, both Dave and I were extremely tempted to go take the red hot poker and the centrifuge and the road of app and put them downstairs and have all that work done out of sight. That way it wasn't focused on any tricks and it wasn't focused on it being a laboratory, but it returned focus back to just being a bar. Um, and while that's a really l- nice thought to, to it wasn't we weren't able to execute that for a couple of reasons a they're all things you need to do real time yeah to produce a drink and expedite that process uh and also if the drinks were coming out how we wanted them to that we felt eventually that there was nothing wrong with also having you know the the vision and the sight of how we got there yeah. um so it was just a hard thing where we had to balance out service and this kind of almost unwanted flair of like the red hot pokers and liquid nitrogen with just making sure that quality products made it to the table yeah um so it was a challenge it was it was real hard we still combat that you know we don't use anything like we try and avoid beakers being at the bar and (laughs) stuff because we don't want people to come and be like we're here for the science you know i'm like that's great but would you like a cocktail you know 
uh, it's kind of the drive we're, we're, we're shooting for. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I understand that, that struggle. I mean, like, any bartender or anyone who works in the service industry understands, like, you know, like, the struggle of, like, putting out excellent customer service and, like, also just mm-hmm. creating a vibe, you know, for yeah. a place. I think, like, um, you know, I like, for me, I like going in there and seeing all the, the equipment and everything. I think it's really, really interesting. And, like I said, I, I, if I could have it, I would. Just <laughs> Come play, play anytime. Yeah, yeah anytime. totally. Sweet. I'm going to hold you to that. Um, but, yeah, like, going back to the, the customer service thing, I think that's also just, it's like an issue we've been talking about a lot lately. And it's been coming up a lot lately, especially talking about, like, bar programs. Um, you know, uh, there's... Uh, you know, we focus on a lot of different things, like having different techniques, different like ice programs, and you know, like I, I've got the biggest chochu selection in New York City, or like you know, like there's so many focuses, you know, and that's what makes different bars different and makes them great. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like you know, we're bartenders and we're we're serving people, and it's like you know, I think more than that drink, you know. The mm-hmm. uh, the customer is going to remember the bartender like that actually like served that drink and like made it the right way. But like, you oh know, yeah, you can teach anyone how to make these drinks, but it's like right. if you're a bad bartender, you know you, you can't overcome that. You can't overcome it. No, I mean people. As much as I want to believe that the the drinks carry all, and you know it's all about that. It's it's not. People won't remember the good or the bad drink they have if it took them twenty you know twenty minutes to get it. Sure. Um. Or even it's. My big drive at the bar recently with our staff has always been uh, the small things mm-hmm. um, because we're a casual spot. You know, we don't yeah. do reservations. It's communal tables. You know, it's kind of a loud room with, you know, an assortment of random music. Uh, and it doesn't matter that, that you, you know, you need to have full water glasses on the table and you need to be attended to. Yeah. And you're a person there who's ultimately drinking at a bar trying to have a good time most likely with friends or on a date and it comes down to a a wider picture a human element that is you know just more important than than all the other parts of it and it's caring for a person as a guest when they come in that is the major drive of any bar um and however you deliver that you know whether it's through a beer and shot bar or it's a cocktail bar or whatever your method is wine bar it's it really just comes down to making sure that person is getting getting the experience they want. Yeah. And, you're, you're hosting an experience. Yeah. And so is and that's hard for us too as a as a science driven uh you know, crazy cocktail bar to not focus on that, but rather turn that outward to something else. Yeah. Uh it's it's been important. That's 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 my number one thing to overcome for for, you know, just customer service. Yeah. Oh. I think it's I think you guys should like I, I kind of like the idea of the beakers, though, man. You should have, like, the really big mixing ones and, like, start punching them or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah, Erlenmeyer flasks everywhere, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, we did for a time. I mean, we've thrown that out there. Yeah. <laughs> we've had the beakers and we've had all the, you know, things, make sure that everything's clear so you can see everything happening. And, you know, we do the Red Hot Poker in a pint glass. You know why? Because it's scary, but you can see it boiling and flaming. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. There's no reason to write that off just because it can be a little bit of a aesthetic drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah, you should like you should have your guests wear like goggles, like protective eyewear at the bar. <laughs> oh yeah, it's happening. I'm gonna start doling out lab coats as they walk in That's the door. A, you know, we'll you take your size and watch your eyes. You know? <laughs> so, uh, what are some of the uh, events and things that you're uh, participating in? 
this year. Oh, it's always so busy, and we're it's getting this to that. time of year, oh, man. It's coming together, but you know, we try and get out in the world. You know, uh, our major drive is always to do stuff like we have Taste of the Nation coming up, uh, where a couple of our bartenders are donating a class uh, cool. for auction. There, we'll go do that event, and then hopefully usher some people into the bar. MCC, you know, the Manhattan Cocktail Classic is bringing a whole bunch of people into the city, and we're doing a little seminar. We just. Uh, uh, experience our birthday so the bar is now one year congratulations. old congratulations thank you thank you yeah and it's been a rough year a long year <laughs> and we finally have some good stories to tell about all this stuff that we're doing so uh we're pairing up with uh with a liquor company and throwing throwing a seminar for that cool. which i'm really looking forward to um nice. between uh the bar and the lab it's hard for me and uh dave to get a lot of time together anymore and so when I always look forward to these events because we get back there and you have a sudden like reminiscing of the days of, you know, 120 hour weeks, 130 hour weeks down the bar when we were both there sleeping on stools in between shifts and oh, yeah. getting everything put together. And it's fun to revisit those stories and and uh, just just bring it back to to those days. Yeah. So oh, that's my favorite, man. I always talk about that with, with, with especially with my original staff. When we're opening Prime Eats, just like sanding the bar and like refinishing and like sleeping in the booths and like, you know, it's, it takes a lot of heart and dedication, man. It does. It it's, takes heart, dedication, zero sleep, and Dave's DJing, which I don't <laughs> know if you've ever stuck around Booker and Dax till the end of the night when Dave Arnold inevitably rolls in and uh, hijacks the iPod. <laughs> can I interrupt for one second? Yeah. There's a story that maybe you can retell. I don't know if you were there, but he said something about ignition and a guy trying to seal the deal at the end of a night. <laughs> Did that come up on air? Is that public that, knowledge? That's public knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that happens. You know, and I wish that was infrequent, but that's more the general story. When Dave's in the bar, he tries just to make things happen. And so he feels the vibe. He comes in, rolls in late night, inevitably about 2 to 3 in the morning, plugs in his iPod, and it's usually a little bit of R. Kelly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and anything along that line until he's dancing through the bar and everybody's up out of their seats and having a good time. Uh, and it's always Dave's drive to make sure that things are going well for, <laughs> for everyone involved, um, whether that's drinks or dancing partners or just generally good times. Yeah. I felt like there was a little Giuseppe about to come out in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. You're, really, to, you're I, really well put together. I'm trying to hold it together here. I'm trying to, you know... I, uh, our, my manager and uh, at the bar is also my roommate, and I have as much as I could ever want to throw out under throw him under the table with. But I'm <laughs> trying, to, I'm trying to keep him keep him around. So we're gonna we're gonna steer clear of Dave's stories well when played. that comes in. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So are you? Uh, I remember last year at Tales of the Cocktail, there was like a gorilla conference in one of the like suites, and you were part of it with like Aaron Polsky and Maxwell Britton and. Uh, who else was there? It was New York, but in New Orleans. It was kind of it yeah. was great. Jeff Bell, Tom Chadwick, yeah. uh, Dave was there. Um, we had Leslie to moderate it. Uh, Ms. Parasol was there taking charge, and uh, it was a blast. It's fun when you get all those people in one room and let them just actually just talk about what's what's getting them. You know? Yeah, Jack. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I did record that, <laughs> um, but it did another great story. Yeah. yeah. So I re- I brought the uh, the company uh, voice recorder, audio recorder to Tails, and I got about two minutes of work- usable audio and the rest. And I recorded everything. Ah, uh, you were adamant about getting it on tape. It was yeah. Great. None of it I, got recorded. None of it came out. None of it came out. Just like hours of static. Uh, 
That's why we gotta we gotta make sure that we get uh, Jack down to Tails this year. That's right. Have somebody there to record the these moments. Yeah, and then we can go crazy, and he can just follow us around. Maybe we don't need a recorder. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say I remember some late nights on Bourbon Street, and uh, and our faithful host here. Not me. <laughs> not, not I mean, not Damon. No, uh, I, I'm saying I don't remember those. No, <laughs> you know, it, it always comes at, uh, with some good stories after that week. But man, alive to have somebody documenting it. Might be a little dangerous. Yeah, yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have the radio show. We can talk about it later, and we can edit out the parts that don't need to be there. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. We can uh, keep a clean slate. Uh, no, I would love to put those people back in the room again. I mean, it's fun when yeah. you get so many service people who are very, a pretty young-driven crew. That was the best thing, I think, that I went to last year. It was just a bunch of further listeners. It was a bunch of bartenders uh, with unique bar programs in New York City just uh, kind of hashing it out in a hotel suite, uh, drinking champagne and, <laughs> and absinthe. And uh, there was a bunch of people from the media there, too. And it was almost like a debate between the bartenders and like me- media and PR. Yeah. like Just kind of like hashing out the, uh, the differences and like learning from each other. And yeah. uh, oh, man. everyone walked out of that hotel room, that hotel suite, just like kind of like, I love you, man. Yeah, this is great. I'm so glad I got to see this. I, there are a few girlfriends even there of like some of the bartenders who were just like, I can't believe I get to see this right now. You know, <laughs> and, and at first took a little offense to it and then suddenly jumped right on board about getting to talk about everything. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. Yeah, like that's awesome, man. The magic of uh, of talking shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's what's kept the show alive for two years. <laughs> awesome. Tristan, we're at the end of the show. Um, we can find you at Booker and Dax. Anytime. When you're not in the la- in the lab there. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Can't wait to have you back sometime. Thanks, Damon. All right. Cheers, everybody. Come to the party tonight. That will be at Heritage Foods Office in Red Hook. Uh, you can find information online. Bush and Lake. And... I said Red Hook, huh? <laughs> Bushwick, sorry. And uh, yeah, come out and uh, support Heritage and have a bunch of drinks made by Tristan and Mike from Robertus. All right, until next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.